I just get such a kick out of that music every time. I can't get over it. I love that music so much because it means it's time for another week of the Rec Poker Podcast Forums Edition. I'm your host, Jim Reed, Bluffsterini in the home games and at Hold'em underscore Steelers on Twitter. I'm joined here by this illustrious group of Rec Poker Wizards. Wizards, why don't you introduce yourselves? Yeah, I'm Chris Jones. I'm 5x5 on Poker Stars and Twitter. I'm John Somsky, and I'm Poker Geek MN everywhere. I'm Rob Wasson. I'm Rabman50 everywhere. And I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors, the Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino, and Website Amp. So every week we play in this Monday night uh, rec poker home game on Poker Stars, trying to take each other's play money and earn a shot at the bronze pin. And every week we dip into the rec poker forums and we pull a post to uh, talk over with our friends here. Uh, this week, we're joined for a second week in a row by one of our favorite forum posters, Keith at Monkey System. Uh, Keith, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hello, I'm Keith Brandt uh, from Wisconsin, uh, low stakes player, um, member of Rec Poker, and, uh, this, and I am Monkey System pretty much everywhere. <laughs> it's a great handle and i like yeah. your avatar too with the uh, i see that every once in a while it always makes me smile with the uh, the gorilla with the teeth the smile smiley up there so that's a lot of fun and i always smile whenever i see a monkey system post because i know we're about to get into something good um so keith you've got a post here called top pair second kicker out of position in a three bet pot villain shoves so tell us a little bit about what made this spot interesting and what you were trying to tease out of the group when you put it in the forums post there. Okay, yeah, this hand here was interesting because uh, I felt like I needed to make an exploitative play. First of all, I was using exploitative ranges and then I was making an exploitative play. This was a, a low stakes uh, multi-table tournament on ACR and uh, I didn't have a whole lot of information on villain yet. I, I had maybe 40, 50 hands on him. Um, so what happened here was um, that I had ace queen suited and open with that. And then a villain on the button re-raised me and then uh, folds. And then I called. And just a, a note on sizing, it looks like you opened to uh... – three big blinds and the button raises two seven big blinds so that's a very small three bet just uh, we should all be kind of paying attention to that that little spidey sense in the back of our mind um that's a that's a relatively small three bet for that spot and it folds around to you and you call yep okay and then the flop came and gave me uh top pair second kicker yeah, so the flop comes, there's 16 big blinds in the pot. The flop comes ace of spades, seven of spades, three of spades. We've got the ace of hearts, queen of hearts. So we've got top pair, second kicker on a monotone uh, board. And we are playing as the caller of a three bet preflop. So what, uh, what are people thinking about that? Should we go through the action? Is there a... What are people normally doing in a spot like this before we get well, specific? Well, my thought there was since he was the uh, the uh, preflop raiser, he was the preflop aggressor. Mm -hmm. um, I should just check to him, mm -hmm. especially because I'm going to be out of position. Yeah, I mean that just seems like an automatic. I mean, raising here would be like a donk bet. Yes, 
Yep, I think that's right. And I think that's a good flow to be considering in this kind of a spot. Um, whenever I'm the aggressor pre-flop, especially if I'm in position, when I get a flop like this monotone, I'm always betting about a third of a pot, like like literally 100% of the time because I feel like people overfold in spots like that. Um, so I would, I it, in your spot, I would also check expecting expecting a small bet. Does anybody uh, want to advocate for a bet there? You do have top pair. Nope. I think, I think game that's flow, right. Game flow says you should check here. I don't yeah. know that any solver is going to tell you anything different. Yeah. yeah. That's, the that's solver right. work that I did on it just tonight before we came on here uh, made me indifferent between um, betting uh, and checking. Betting and checking on this one. This, Interesting. this was one of the few hands where I was indifferent. Hmm. And do we so think I, I thought I found that to be surprising. I thought this the checking here would be automatic. Yeah. And we, do we think that's just because we have top pair and we're kind of folding out some one spade hands that that might be catching up to us otherwise because that I agree it does feel like in a vacuum I I'd, I'd be I'm surprised it's indifferent. Yeah. So uh, that would probably be the only reason to do that. Either that or you're representing a uh, a draw to a flush or something yourself. Mm-hmm. Some people will bet a small flush there too, just because they, you know, they've got a they're flush they won't, to the seven. They won't get, yeah, they're afraid they won't get paid otherwise. Yeah. Or that, you know, they don't want that fourth spade to come off where the guy's just got some BS hand and one of them's a high spade. You know, yeah. I, I hate that. Yeah. I hate that when my flush gets counterfeit. <laughs> um, okay. So I think so unconventionally or uh, uncontroversially, uh, we check. And the button shoves the flop. So they bet 26 big blinds um, into a flop, the, into a, a pot of 16 and a half big blinds. So it's about one and a half times the pot. It is a scary board. What, what do we think they're trying to do here? Is this a value play, a bluff play? Are they balanced? What was what was your thinking, Keith, in the moment when you checked to this player and they shoved? My thinking was exactly uh, something that Rob said one time in, in one of the other uh, podcasts or, or, or schools here was uh, at these low stakes tournaments, these six dollar uh, tournaments, when they bet like that, they've got it. Mm. And that's what I thought. I thought this this guy's got the flush. I mean. He might be bluffing with a draw to the nut flush, but I'm just going to go with the fact that this guy's got it. I don't even have top pair top kicker. I got top pair second kicker. He might be. He might have ace or yeah, ace king also. Yep. So I, thought, range. I was beat six ways from Sunday here, and I just <laughs> laid it down. Yeah, ace king with the king of spades. Right. Yeah. You know, then he's got he's got the nut flush draw plus top pair top kicker. Yeah, top yeah. kicker. Yeah, but uh, what I found interesting about this, I mean, this this seems uh, like pretty much a set piece. It's almost automatic, but uh, it was actually an exploitative play. I mean, because then when I went back into the solver, uh, if if we went with purely equilibrium uh, play, I should call. Mm. But but by by uh, doing it, but by folding that was actually an exploitative fold that's what i found yeah. interesting was that it was pretty cut and dried in the solver based on an exploit 
It wasn't normally on monotone boards like this. Um, it seems to me like either the pot ends up staying small or someone has the flush, <laughs> you know? So uh, in this case, when you're hitting um, top pair there, my hope in this is to win a small pot <laughs> because if the spot, pot right. stays small, you probably have the best hand. Yep. Um, if it starts to grow now, it could be someone who's on the semi bluff. They've got the king of a king queen with the king of uh, spades in there or something like that. Um, but that's the way I, I tend to see the monotone boards play out. And what about people's three betting range? Because this was a small three bet. And I think, um, Keith, I see another note in the forum post here that uh, I don't know how many hands it was, but they had a three bet statistic of 8.33. So yeah. that's a pretty robust three bet range. Yeah. Um, but, it, but at the time, I was thinking, you know, that's too small of a sample size to okay. really draw any conclusions. Yeah, from that's it. perfect. Perfect. That makes sense. And so does that, does that, given that they're three betting, does that make you think that they have more or fewer suited combos in that range that continues? Like, are they more like, like what part of their range, what proportion of their range are suited hands? Like, I think the wider the three bet range is, the more suited combos there are in there. And just me anecdotally, the tighter it gets, I think it's more like just big pairs and high aces. Um. Because the ace, the ace is part of the flush out there, so they can't have done it with a suited ace and still had a flush. So it means they had to three bet some of these other suited combinations, which isn't impossible. But it's uh, when you're constructing their three bet range, now you're thinking, okay, so if they're if they're doing it with some of these suited combos, then they're also doing it with all the other suits. <laughs> yeah. You know, unless it's like a mixed strategy, of course, and who knows, but. Yeah, because I, I when I think about this kind of this is a board that um, it's definitely scary. And when somebody, but when somebody overbets a pot like this, I really start to discount uh, the nuts. Like I really, I would be very surprised if I called this and they had king queen of spades. Like I would be pretty shocked. Uh, to find that um, people even at low stakes when they flop the nuts they want to get paid and you don't want to you don't want to scare people off that's like a thing I think that is like instinctive of, uh, on every poker player like I've got the nuts I don't want to scare this I want to reel them in right I want to I don't want to scare them off mm -hmm. and so when I see these massive bets this is to me screams something like uh single spade hands that have maybe some value in them. So the one that might beat us is ace king with the king of spades, but there's a lot that might not beat us. I think there's a lot like kings with the king of spades, queens with the queen of spades, jacks with the jack of spades. Um, I think a lot of those types of hands are, are in range here. And I think they're the kinds of uh, hands that we start to see. Um, there might be a few uh, I, you know, obviously aces are in play, but we block that. Um, so there's only one combo of the aces. Um, I, I'm probably calling this is basically what I'm getting down to is that um, I see this as somebody who this, 
this bet screams to me like go away uh and even if you don't maybe i've got some backup plans um but it doesn't scream to me that we're beat and i think actually that calling here we're going to be a favorite to take this pot down Hmm. that's that's my take and it's a mix because it's a mix between the player type and the spot, right? So Keith is saying that typically when six dollar tournament players over shove like this, it's because they have a very strong hand, which I think is true. And Chris is saying on monotone flops like this, over bet shoves tend to correlate to non nutted hands, which I think is also true. And and last week we talked about how someone was making a min bet from out of position and how they probably only did that with value hands because they didn't exert any um, fold equity as part of that move. And here's exactly the other side of that, where if they really did have a value hand, would they be shoving? And, and one thing that's interesting is they only have 26 big blinds in the, in the pot 16. So they, given that they, they can get the, they can get it in on future streets. There's no reason for them to make this overbed shove here if if they are trying to capture value, especially with a flush, um, because it's just unlikely to get beat unless it's one of those low flushes. And again, I don't see them three betting that with like a six seven suited or something when they only have 32 big blinds to start. But I don't know. Maybe I'm kind of talking myself in circles here. I see there's some great comments in here in the in the post. Um, ARW um, gets a few ones. Binkley, E. Anderson, um, and I see that uh, Keith, you're exchanging some more solver notes in here, and you've got some really detailed responses and some solver work here as well uh, for equilibrium strategies on different streets. Um, can you talk us to us a little bit about what uh, what you ran through the solver and and how that helped you analyze the hand? Well. Um... First of all, I put what I estimated to be um, in GTL Plus, there's no uh, pre-flop solves. So I, I put what I estimated to be uh, his range, and I put what I knew to be my range and estimated to be his range based on the pre-flop action, hmm. which was his three bet. I actually didn't read a whole lot into the sizing there because we are down to, what, 26 big line effectives. I mean, the... the uh, if you want to get it in, you can get it in with a small bet at this point. Right. Um, and a lot of people play like that. The, 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 the sizings kind of go down as the effective stacks go down. Mm-hmm. So that was part of my thinking. And uh, I, I put him on tighter ranges than I normally would. Just because uh, he's three betting. Uh, he's covered. Uh, he. he probably going to be playing scary. He's probably going to be playing like what I, what my experience from low stakes tell me. So, so uh, I put him on tire uh, three bet range than I would expect to see. And that's, and that's a really good point about the sizing too. Cause when we're talking, when we were talking pre-flop about how he only three bet to seven coming off a 32 big blind stack or a 34 big blind stack or something like that. That's, that is a good point because he should be three betting smaller there. He should also be three betting less probably um, plus frequently, but uh, that, yeah. So maybe we shouldn't read too much into the sizing of that. That's a great point, Keith. Thank you. But then, I think, um, I'm sorry. There. I think the most probable hands that he has are ace king with the king of spades or pocket kings with the king of spades. Mm-hmm. I think those are, I, I think if, if we had a chance to see what his hands were, 
I would be very surprised if it was anything but those two hands. Hmm. Yeah, and we're losing yeah. to one and beating the other. Right. Yeah. Right. And and he's got a huge redraw. Yeah. On the Kings. Yep. Yeah, even if even if we were to tell you that he had pocket kings and you had an ace but no spades in your hand and he had a, a spade in his hand, you know, you're not exact you're still not exactly fist pumping to put your tournament life on the line drawing to no spade. <laughs> right? yeah, he still might be he still might be a favorite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's got king outs too, right? Mm-hmm. I really thought he might have the flush though too. Yeah. That was my thinking at the time and that was my thinking when I um, node lock the server for his show. Yeah. Because I'm putting him on the flush. So then it just has to be, it just has to be a hand that he chose to three bet that didn't have the ace in it. So then, then that, that's the thing. It, because if, if we're saying it's a flush, then he has to have three bet with a hand that didn't have the suited ace um, to get there, which, which I, I there's lots of good reasons to do it, but it kind of speaks against the argument that his, three betting range is really narrow because there's just not going to be that many combos of non ace suited hands um, that can do that. Still, even if it's just one, if it's king queen, that's all it takes. You still lose, <laughs> you know, don't get me wrong. But, um, uh, but I do think we can kind of eliminate a lot of the flushes from his hand because of the action or from his range uh, because of the action. If, but even if not because of the player type and I guess, you know, Keith, part of it is we just don't want to be wrong. Right. And so last week we talked about, Oh, what if he has King 10 and he turned to straight, you know, here it's like, what if he has the, the flush? Um, they are going to have those sometime. I don't need to tell you this. Like they are going to have them sometimes. Um, but as a proportion of the range, it's, it's a pretty small part of the range. So um, you have to believe that either they're just playing very straightforwardly now, which is consistent with a $6 online tournament, um, and I think that's you know that's a big part of the answer there too. Like if they're, what is this player capable of, and do they even know if they're value betting or bluffing? Because not everyone does all the time, and that that can trip you up <laughs> too, right? Yeah. He could be thinking he's value betting with a hand you beat, and you're still, you're gonna fold because uh, uh, you know it it feels like a bluff. Uh, I don't know. I want to give a shout out to. Um, ARW, Binkley, and E. Anderson for putting some really good stuff here in the forum. I really got to tell people, go to rec.porum, go to rec.poker, get a free community account, and uh, check out the forums here because there's some really deep, deep uh, knowledge in here. And uh, Keith, I really love the way that you bring these detailed breakdowns and the screenshots of what's inside the solver. Cause I think, um, you know, a lot of rec poker players, they've heard about solvers. They've, you know, heard the conversations, but I don't know how many recreational players are really getting to this level of depth with that kind of technology. So it, it's great for you to be putting it out there for everybody else to see. So thank you for that. All right. Any other thoughts here? Is there uh... just one other thought um, earlier? Keith said something about what I have, I've mentioned before that they always have it. Mm. I think in these $6 tournaments, they always have it on the river. Okay. Uh, so, so when you get, when you get to that point and you're trying to decide whether you should bluff or not, or call it off, call it off thinking that they're bluffing. They're not, they, mm. they, they have it. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
I think in this set situation, we're talking right on the flop, so it's pretty it's pretty early in the hands. But I still think that it's probably not a bad fold because he either has ace king with the king of spades or pocket kings with the king of spades. Yeah, and I think it comes down to me that um, I agree with that. Like I think that you know people always have it on the river, but maybe not earlier. And this this right. decision really comes down to me. Uh, whether we think this player is doing this with the top of their range. So if they're doing this mm-hmm. with a flush, then I like the fold. I think most players are not doing this with the flush, and I think they're probably wider. I, I think mo- a lot of players on ACR at this level are even wider. They're doing this with, I think, a queen with a queen of spades, jack with a jack of spades, tens with a ten of spades even. like I think we might even get down to that level where people are like, this is a scary board, but I can get you off of it. I can get you to fold your whatever you got because this is everyone's scared of monotone flops. Um, so I guess it it kind of depends if we if we re, if we think that this player can have king queen of spades, then I'm snap folding. But I, I there's there are a lot of players who won't be able to have that. Yeah, Interestingly, I, 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 yeah, I don't think they have king queen of spades. I think I think you're right there. I think. But I don't think they have tens or jacks either. I think I yeah. think it's I think it's really they got they have the king of spades. <laughs> yeah, you're drilling down. The king of spades is in there is is in that hand. I don't care. I don't they're know. Not, they're I don't not. know. I don't know. I've seen some people with like ten of spades in this spot. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let uh, let's let Jonathan Little tell us about something first, and then we'll come back and get to the bottom of this. Have you ever wondered whether you should call a preflop raise or three bet instead? What do you do when you have a flush draw? Do you raise it or do you just call? What do you do with Ace King when you miss the flop? Are you tired of guessing about what the right play is with your particular hand? Well, my name is Jonathan Little, and I am a two-time World Poker Tour champion and creator of PokerCoaching.com, where we offer over a thousand interactive hand quizzes where you play a hand and then get real-time feedback from our world-class pros. Don't guess and don't stress. Just register for your free account at PokerCoaching.com slash RecPoker right now. Well, nailed the audio cue for that one, team. There we go. Things are things are looking up. <laughs> and I will say, Jonathan Little's PokerCoaching.com, there is a lot of great stuff on there. I, he's not, he pays us to run the ad. He doesn't pay us to say this afterwards. Like, it is a great site. They have a lot of great training materials there. And Jonathan's really uh, generous with his time on Twitter and, and that sort of thing as well. So Rob's decided this guy's got the king of spades in his hands. Um, Chris has said that we think we, he's kind of capping his range when he makes this aggressive overbet shove on the monotone flop. Keith is saying that uh, these, these amateur players in these spots tend to have it when they overbet shove. I think everyone's getting real close to truth there. Um, any final thoughts for the audience? Is there a way that uh, we can learn from this in the future and uh, take a lesson for future players? Should we just keep being thoughtful, strategic poker players on every street and living decision point from decision point? I agree. That is the best philosophy. All right. Well, thanks, everyone. Uh, as always, you can uh, go to smallsmallbusiness.com to find some other ways to work with Steve Fredland. If you want to uh, make him rich and famous, so we can spend more time playing poker with the rest of us. And if you can't go to smallsmallbusiness.com, please help out our friends, the Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino, and Mark Bershawn at Website Am. Thanks, Rob, John, Chris, Keith. See you next time. <laughs>